We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner Impossible. Coming up, the latest episode of the KCSN Draft Show, getting Chiefs Kingdom ready for the 2023 NFL Draft. Hosted right here in Kansas City with the best analysis, interviews, and content you can find to stay up to date and in the know. With that said, let's begin the show. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to this episode of the KCSN Draft Show. I'm BJ Kissel, joined by my special guest who will join us each week helping us break down the 2023 NFL Draft from ESPN, Mr. Matt Miller. Matt, thanks for joining us. I know you are fresh off the combine where we had a chance to catch up and and do a show and hang out and have some dinner while we're up there. But uh, what were your main takeaways now that we're just a few days past the NFL scouting combine? What stood out to you the most about this year's uh, event? Yeah, number one, I'm struggling to make dinner choices. No more. Like we can't just grab steaks and shrimp cocktail every night. So I don't even know. Uh, I, you know, you eat that for like four or five straight days in India and they come home and have to be like a normal human being again. So a lot of chicken and rice happening for me right now to try to adjust post Indy. But, you know, I thought it was a really good year. Um, I, this draft class is not the best I've ever covered. It's not the worst, but it's not the best. And I think the combine this year put some excitement on this group that was not there beforehand. And then especially, I know you guys don't care about this position in Kansas City, but especially at quarterback, you know, because now there are there are four good ones, you know, and I think that makes it, it makes it a lot of fun. Now we could poke holes in them, obviously, but there are four good ones. There really are, and I think you know, for our good friend Ryan Poles, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if do the number one pick get devalued since there are four four good quarterbacks, maybe. Uh, so I think it's it's definitely adding some intrigue, but it was a great time. When I get to, to chop it up with you and Tucker was great. Uh, getting to you know finally meet Sean Barber first, uh, it's fantastic. He's a great, great guy. So it was it was a very productive week. I would still like to sleep for an entire day at some point in the very near future, but uh, I know for you guys as well, it was a, it was a good week, a productive week. Um, I still love the combine. You know, we had that weird COVID year in 2020 where it was like, hey, there's this thing in Asia that doesn't sound good, and everybody was kind of skittish. Then we didn't even get a combine in 2021. And so I'm still really appreciative and thankful that, you know, just for that opportunity to, you know, have everyone in the same place again is great. 
Yeah, I know there's some rumors and thought out there that it could move from indie, and I'm definitely one of those old school people. It's because I like the the tradition. I like knowing I'm going to go up there. I'm going to yep. get up Kilroy's. I'm going to go to High Velocity. I'm going to get Prime with my guy Matt Miller sometime while we're up there. It's just it's been a tradition every time we go up there to do uh, to do something, and it's set up so well. Even you know this year, as Tucker and I you know stayed in an Airbnb, we weren't staying in the the Marriott. Uh, with the rest of the chief scouts and you know decision makers and everybody's in all those different hotels downtown it's just it's easy to get around you know you kind of know the lay of the land and again i know they've talked about moving it to a handful of different places uh, probably to make please some, don't probably to make some more money i understand please. that they're going to do that and they're going to at least do the process of thinking through those kinds of things i just yeah. hope that cooler heads prevail and the people that are there uh either covering it or i'm sure if you ask nfl coaches they like the fact that it's there because Again, yeah. they are creatures of habit, and they know what they like. They know what to expect, uh, and I think that's a benefit to having it in Indy every year. But, uh, Matt, I'm excited to talk about this group of players and throw to these interviews again. Uh, yeah. This is the first time you've listened to this show. Uh, we had a chance to go out. We, as in Casey's Sports Network, had a chance to go out to the East-West Shrine Bowl in Las Vegas a few weeks ago and sit down with a lot of the players uh, that are available in this year's draft last year. Uh, we put it out there several times. We had a chance to sit down and talk to Isaiah Pacheco, uh, you know, yeah. several weeks before the Chiefs ended up drafting him. And so we've got a lot of these interviews. We kind of group them by position group. And today's position group that we're going to be breaking down uh, are the defensive tackles. And it's an interesting one for the Chiefs uh, because they have some guys who are free agents who competed uh, and put up some production and played some snaps for the defense last year. Uh, Derek Noddy, Colin Saunders, and Brandon Williams are all set to become. Uh, free agents for the Chiefs obviously all played defensive line and then Tershawn Wharton who was injured last year is a restricted free agent so expect them to bring him back but um, had a chance to sit down and talk with three different defensive tackles that were out at the East Restaurant Bowl excited to get Matt's uh, opinion on those we'll throw to those interviews but Matt before we get to those interviews and those players uh, just high level talking about the Chiefs defensive line another quick side note uh, we had a chance out in Indy to talk with uh, Joe Cullen, the Chiefs defensive line coach, also happened to be Sean Barber's college coach. Uh, so it was a really fun interview with Sean, myself, and, and Joe Cullen to sit down and talk about the defensive line room. Uh, I joked with uh, Coach Cullen that you know he was the best free agent pickup the Chiefs had all of last season uh, because multiple guys along that defensive front uh, had the best years of their career, Colin Saunders being one, Chris Jones being another, yeah. Mike Dana, uh, had the best year of his career, and even Tershawn Wharton before his injury started to play really, really well. And so shout out to Joe Cullen for what he was able to do with those guys. So go check out that interview. Got it up on YouTube. We have the podcast audio of it as well. But Matt, as you look at the Chiefs defensive line, I know it starts with Chris Jones, uh, but from a draft perspective, because that's the world that you live in with what you do, um, how do you see this draft for defensive tackles and as it relates to the Chiefs, their system, and the players that they could potentially end up losing if they don't resign them. Yeah, it's a year in which that you know there's one really good defensive tackle, Jalen Carter from Georgia, who has some legal uncertainty right now. After that, there's a pretty significant drop off to guys like Elijah Cansey from Pitt, who is a blur, but he's six one two eighty. You know, so is that a fit with Joe Cullen and Steve Sagnolo? Not traditionally, no. That's not what they've really looked at. Um, yeah. and Brian Brian Breezy from Clemson. Maybe more of what they would normally go for, you know, six five, three hundred plus pounds, has had some, you know, off field tragedy. You know, his, his sister died of brain cancer. He had a torn ACL. He had a kidney infection. Like he had a rough two years, really rough two years. There's a former top recruit who has a 
true freshman was unstoppable and he flashed that ability at times. So it is not a year in which, I mean, if we had three interior defensive linemen on the first round, that's pretty good this year. Uh, it's not a super top heavy defensive tackle class, even around two, you know, there's a, a pretty significant drop off. So it is a year I think where you're looking more for players who fill a role as opposed to players who are starters. You know, if you lose a nose tackle, okay, this is probably a good year to find a first down run stopper. This is not, you don't replace Chris Jones in this draft class, right? Not that maybe you can't in any draft class, but I don't see that type of player uh, being available in this draft, whether it's at the outside of Jalen Carter, you know, so outside of the top five picks, there's not really a, a pass rushing defensive tackle in this group. So it's not, you know, top hundred picks. We're not going to see many defensive tackles. Six or seven is probably about where we're at right now. Yeah, and I'm just looking through the the free agent tracker because you got to look at it. And you and I have had this conversation a lot that when GMs and and Brett Veach and you know his counterparts around the league make decisions based on draft strategy and free agent strategy, they're not just looking at everything in a silo. They're looking at who are the free agents compared to how deep is this draft in this area and what's that projection look like, not just for this year but for the next several years, it's 4d chess. And sometimes we try to simplify it so much, especially with social media. We're guilty. I'm guilty of it, but we try to simplify everything to do you like this player. We have a need fit it here. Whereas they look who is a free agent class this year. What's the free agent class next year. And like I said, draft class next year. (laughs) Exactly. So you have, and they, and they know that information. We look at it, you know, again, in a silo, these area scouts have a feeling of like, hey, this kid's a freshman, sophomore. We've been studying these schools. Right. Like these guys are going to be really good. But again, Derek Noddy, Colin Saunders, Brandon Williams are set to become free agents as of right now, as the time that we're recording this. Obviously, anything can change. Uh, but looking at some of the top free agents who are available, Javon Hargrave is is the big name one. I would yeah. think. Matt, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, we saw oh, Duron Duron Payne. Uh, got franchise tag by Washington as another one of those defensive tackles that uh, was probably going to go out and get some money. The reason that he gets franchise tag, Draymond Jones, you start dropping down a little bit. I'm looking through CBSSports.com's top 100 available free agents. Dalvin Tomlinson, another one of those guys listed in the 30s. And so you start going down, you got Larry Okajabot, Okajobobi. I can't say his name. I would get Okajobi. Okajobi. Uh, that guy, um, and then Chris Warmly as you get down into the 60s. So if you want an impact player in this, it doesn't seem like there's a guy available in this draft out where the Chiefs could be picking. It's not yeah. generally a position that you see rookies come in and just absolutely dominate. Uh, it's pretty tough to do. So uh, I don't say slim pickings, but uh, there would be incentive for the Chiefs to uh, try and reach deals with guys like Colin Saunders. I'm biased to that. I want to see Colin get paid. I don't really care where it is. I'd love to see him stay in Kansas City. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, with Derek Nottie, with Brandon Williams. Both those guys obviously have a little bit different roles. I just like Colin, his athleticism. We saw the effort, and I've spent yeah, I spent so much time, man. I know I'm going off here, but I want to talk about this play because we talked about Colin Saunders, his athleticism for a guy of his size. We joke about it with the basketball skills. I've had a chance to be around it. He's got handles. If the Chiefs football team had a basketball team, Colin Saunders would be the point guard. At 320 pounds. He is really that good uh, dribbling and just like handling the ball. He's binks, as he calls it. Uh, But we saw in the Super Bowl with his sack of Jalen Hurts, where we saw a guy of his size at 320 pounds make a play displaying the athleticism that we have talked about with him for so long as to what makes him different. 
that there's not another defensive tackle. And I would argue Chris Jones in that mix that could have made the play in that moment that Colin did showing off his athleticism, his yeah. ankle flexion, all of those things to get out and run. Uh, and so for that, you can't replace that kind of athleticism and skill. And so for that reason, I hope they would bring him back. I trust Brett Veach and them to make the right decisions and uh, for the organization. I just hope Colin gets taken care of one way or another. Yeah, I mean, and he's, he's a great story as well. I also think, like I said, Colin plays a role. And, and he's not a three-down defensive tackle. He's not a 90-snap guy or, or whatever. He plays a role. And I think that's how we've seen them fill out this defensive tackle and even defensive line group outside of their stars is good guys that can play a role. You mentioned Mike Dana. I mean, we've seen it, you know, with Alex Okafor in the past and guys like that, like buying players who can fill roles. I would say, uh, you know, this was kind of the Chiefs' blind spot in the draft for a while. You had Breland Speech, you had Tano Pasnia, you know, who were second-round picks that never made it to a second contract. So I do think you're seeing them change their perspective a little bit. And obviously I think Spag's coming along helps that as well. Joe Collins going to help that a lot, but it, I even feel like the way they look at this and Carl Loftus was the outlier. I don't think anyone expected him to be there where he was last year. Um, but when you look at how they're going to, you know, replace Frank Clark, how you're going to replace, you know, the three defensive tackles or free agents. I would almost think we see guys who are filling out roles more than we are. All right. At pick, 31, we got to get an ever down starter or, you know, I don't know that that's exactly where they go. Yeah. And I, the context of this conversation, we'll get to the interviews here in a sec. The context of this conversation has been about tackles, but I, I can't iterate this enough because I keep seeing this conversation on social media, Matt, and it's driving me crazy. It's like a push point for me at this point in that there are Chiefs fans out there who believe that the strategy for the Chiefs starting left tackle will be whoever they can get at 31. Yeah. And that they are yeah. that they are going to go through free agency and all of this planning on an unknown pick at 31. Even if there's three players you like, which is a lot for tackle when you put grades up, you put grade yeah. first round grades on players, you may have 15 first round grades. I know that sounds weird for people listening. It's like, "Hey, there's 31 players." Exactly. You may have 15 first round grades on somebody even if there were three for a tackle, there's still no guarantee that that player would be there for you. And if you plan on that and that player's not there, then you are screwed because you already passed free agency. So whatever the chief strategy is for the offensive line, they're not going into it with any kind of a hope. Now, if it works out that way, great. Player comes in, absolutely kills it, earns the spot. We have not seen that with Andy Reid. He gets a training camp. Those veterans get the first reps and those young guys, don't start getting first team reps. Very rarely have we seen it. I think we saw it with Creed Humphrey. Yeah. There have been times. Right. Obviously, Eric Fisher starting on the right side. But very rarely have we seen a rookie just step in and be the guy right away. So whatever the Chiefs are going to do at left tackle, that plan is not going to be for free age or for based on what happens in the draft. It's not going to happen at 27th, right? Like you're going to have right. a plan before then, whether it's a trade or free agent signing whatever it might be. Um, there's not anyone on the roster that I am aware of that is like in a next man up situation. Um, I'm obviously not there in practice every day. I agree with you, BJ. We talked about this, uh, I think even two years ago, uh, whenever the Orlando Brown Jr. trade happened, it was, hey, they are not going to run into the year without answers at tackle. And I, I've had a conversation with Veach back in the day, and it was like two things we're always going to have for Patrick, protection and weapons. Now, I would argue this past year the weapons weren't that great. <laughs> they still won a Super Bowl, but I don't think you want to risk the protection aspect of it. So I'm fascinated to see what will happen. 
at left tackle. Today's the franchise tag deadline. Orlando Brown down here is not being tagged. Uh, it's it's gonna be fun. That's that's why I love the NFL. That it's there's always even when you think you have the answer, you don't. It's you never know what's gonna happen. And the other thing that I will caution people is we are seeing the plan executed in slow motion. They have spent yeah. weeks and months planning all of the different iterations and all the different scenarios of what could take place if we get this guy, we get this guy, if this guy wants more money. They've had all those conversations similar to the draft in that you put together your plan and by the time the draft gets here, you literally just execute all the different contingencies of what you could do if such and such happens. That's what they're doing when they're planning. They're not just arguing about players they like the whole time. They go through the players, they put their grades on them, and then they go through all the different scenarios. It's the same thing with free agency. And now we're just seeing the reports yesterday of Orlando Brown Jr. not getting the tag, seeing all the takes come out on social media. It's like, just wait until the plan comes through. They're not just saying, you know what? We don't want Orlando Brown. We're going to give up that value. Let the whole thing play out. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you from being around years ago that they have plans. And again, we see it kind of executed in slow motion. So if it doesn't make sense to you, it's because the truth is missing. I, somebody told me that also, once, and it always stood, stood with, stayed with. It's me. worth remembering that Orlando Brown Jr. fired his agent one year ago. He's got a new agent. After that, after he got tagged last year, there's an agent change. So, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. All right, let's get into these interviews. Uh, let's go to this first one, and I want to get your thoughts on Texas. I'm somebody you're probably very familiar with. Little bit, yeah. Texas defensive tackle Keandre Coburn. Uh, tell you right now one of my favorite interviews uh that we did out the shrine bowl has got a great personality great kid uh great agency uh shout out to murphy and the crew over at octagon but um but yeah what what stands out to you about uh keandre coburn as a player before we go to this interview yeah they senior leader powerful you know 322 pounds i think if you talk about okay well you know brandon williams probably gonna retire after that coming back and winning a ring uh see what's gonna happen with some of those free agent defensive tackles like you mentioned this is, I think, your day three nose tackle prospect to go back and watch the Alabama game. Alabama could not run the ball against Texas, and Coburn was a huge part of that. I mean, he's loved it within that that organization at, down in Texas. So someone who is, again, I'm not saying he's going to be a starter in the NFL right away. He will become a starter in the NFL, I believe, and I think he's going to play for a really long time because he's just incredibly solid, not the most athletic they're just incredibly solid, very strong, and great against the run. The great thing is you need a lot of those guys. I mean, you need yeah. six guys, especially with Steve Spagnuolo, that even the guys that are playing a lot, they maybe got 60, 70, maybe 80%, if you're talking about like a Chris Jones, uh, percent of the snaps. But for the most part, these guys are rotating. I don't even look at starts anymore for these guys. It depends right. on what personnel grouping they're in. But a guy like Mike Dana, um, again, talk about him. It, again, I it would implore anybody listening to the show, Go listen to the interview that Sean Barber and I did with Joe Cohen talking about Mike Dana specifically. He basically said, if I had a team full of Mike Dana's with their versatility and the way that he he goes about his business, that he'd be a very happy coach. Similar, it probably triggers the old school Chiefs fans into the Lance Long comment. This thing that rings in my ear if I had, we had 53 Lance Longs. But uh, anyway, uh, let's go to that interview with Keandre Coburn. Again, this is out at the East-West Shrine Bowl a few weeks ago, uh, talking with the Texas defensive tackle. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Hanging out with Keandre Coburn, the defensive tackle out of Texas. Keandre, thanks for hanging out with us, buddy. And thank y'all for having me. I'm just blessed. 
We're excited. We're excited to talk to you. Want to know a little bit about your background and, and how you got into football and why you love football? Um, to be honest, I was a gamer when I was growing up. I was a big little chubby kid that just liked to play games. Uh, I lived in California. Los Angeles, California, moved to Houston in fifth grade. And you know, he moved to Texas. Texas is known for football. So my dad literally told me, you can't be in the house all day playing games. You're going to play sports or do something. So I tried out for football. I'm not going to say I was happy about it at first, but I, I mean, a little things where I fell in love with the sport. And ever since then, it's just been, been football. And I love football. I literally took that whole year after my first little little league game season and I literally just studied football. I mean, I, I, I could tell you so much stuff about football in certain little ways, not everything, but tell you stuff I like and what I know. Like I know most of the details that you need to know and history about football teams and certain situations that never happened in football. I'll still learn to this day. What is it about football that you just love? Like, what is that? What is it about football that makes you want to do that and play and make that part of your life? I mean, it's, it's, it's so many answers I can give you that, and it's different scenarios and different stuff I could give you right now about that. But I, I take it as it's something that I know I'm good at. Something that I know that if I work hard at it, I can really become a dominant player and I can become a good player while doing it. Something that can help me put me in a position to where I can help feed my family the best way I can. Um, and it put me in where I can go argue with people in their society in this world. Like, when we go to sit at the table, a nice restaurant, somebody asks me what I'm doing, I'm playing football. What they doing, they, a lawyer or something like that. And I got something I can compete with because I'm not saying the money the same, but you do it the right way, you can get the same money in certain ways. And I just, it's something that I just, I took pride in and I enjoyed doing it since I was a kid and I don't want to stop playing. And this is a sport where you also get to hurt somebody. And not saying I like to hurt people, but the same way I get to literally go on the field and, and perform a lot of dominance, a lot of force and do whatever I, it takes me to do to be another human being, to make plays. It's just a fun sport and everybody in the world loves football. I mean, who don't love football? If you don't love football, then I don't know what you like. And, you know, even though people want to say football is, you know, the soccer sport, but football, I know, is the one we throw the football and you catch it. <laughs> so that's what I love about this. So who's uh, been an inspiration to you, a family member, a coach, uh, throughout your, you know, football journey? Um, You know, pretty much most of my life uh, after 2016 was my, um, I died of colon cancer in 2016. Um. Uh, she was a blessing, and I'm so glad God put her in, in my life at the time that I had with her. Oh, uh, man, you know, after that, I kind of, you know, r really relied on myself about a lot of things. And, you know, I wish I would have had somebody at the time I really could have talked to you as much as I wanted to. But at the same time, it's it's kind of good to kind of find yourself in a way to where you, if you could talk to yourself and make your decisions for yourself, it's the best way. But then I can say right now, if I need somebody to call right now, it will be my coach, Davis. Um uh, I say my coach Davis, but Coach Davis at the University of Texas, uh, Bo Davis, uh, was probably the best. He literally helped my game change so, so fast in so many ways where he put me in a position right here, and it's all thank you to him. That's a that's a great human being, um, a great man, a great coach, and a, and a great person just to have on your team. And I ask him about anything, and I'm just so blessed to have him. You mentioned, you know, as a player and as a person that Coach Davis has been great for you. What what exactly has he helped you with on the field? Like, where has you felt like he's helped your game the most on the field? He helped me find myself. He helped me believe in myself. He helped me see that I could be a dominant player in this sport. He helped me believe that I could pass runs. He helped me believe that I could stop the run. He helped me believe that I could go on the field. And if I really believe and I could do, I could do it. And he just put belief in me. I, the fact I saw so much energy and so much, you know, passion that he added to me, I didn't see that in myself at times. And, and, and the fact that I see it, if another human being can see that in somebody else, why can I not see it? I made a lot of changes in, in my life um, after 2021 season and 
it's been up since then. I'm just keep at it from him. What uh what do you want an opposing coach to say about you after they've got done playing you? Man, that dude right there's a ball. Hard worker. Hard to block him. Hard to play against him. He knows the game. You know, things like that that I really pride myself in. And when I go on the field, at least somebody talk about not bad, but in all type of good ways to where they know that they see something from me and obviously I did something to impact the game at the time. Is there a game from your career that you can really think of that you really put your best foot forward as a player that you would direct someone to go back and watch? Um, that's really a, a hard one. You know, I could easily argue the Bama game. Like, I play, especially the OD line, I play with so much good technique. You know, I, I had a good defense. I can't just put that on myself. Um, excuse me, but I think that game, I, I, I showcased a lot of, you know, playing a lot of double, playing up pass rushing and stuff like that. But, you know, one game that I probably could say this year that, you know, go back and watch and just see the effort I have with probably the Kansas State game. Uh, you know, I, you know, you will always want to have those plays that you can remember forever. And the fact that, you know, I went in the last play of that Kansas State game where they was on the run. They were, they were going down the field to try to go score and, and take the game from us. And the play before that, uh, I kind of, it was a segment where, you know, when our plays out of gap and we missed a sack and all that, and I was on the floor and I was tired. I, was, I, was, I really wanted to call out. I never liked calling out to get out of the game. I, I was at that moment. It was cold. It was a weird type of temperature in Kansas. I don't know. For some reason, that temperature and that weather just <laughs> takes your breath away. You know, I just got back in and I just believed in, in everything that Coach Coach Davis instilled in us and how we, we finished as a team. And, and I just did what I do on a regular basis, just did a pass rush move. Next thing you know, I stripped the ball out and, and – and had the game win to play for for us to win. And just for us to get the win, that's all that matters. I didn't care if I was the person that got the play, just for us to win. And I would never forget that. Do you think for that play, do you think you could walk me through it from you know, the moment that you guys are breaking your defensive huddle, getting lined up? What's, what are you seeing? What's going through your mind as that play unfolds up until you know the play ends? Okay, so you know, like I said, the play before that, it was a fourth down, actually. And, you know, um, ten, I, I forgot his name. I don't want to say the best okay. in but... I'm going to say, you know, uh, um, got out the pocket and really just made a play. First down, again, I'm like, man, can't we get out the field? It was just fourth down and long. And so we get it back, and at that time, we didn't have, I don't think we had the timeouts. I don't think we were able to, you know, stop the game because they was going tempo. They was going tempo. Yeah, they hometown, they home stadium, all that. Momentum's on their end right now. They just got the ball back, and, they were going, and so I mean, we got the call. I got down. I told them, like, you know, close left, close left. I'm, I'm, you can tell I'm tired. I get in my stance, and I just, I remember just going up, took the guard in, and I just came back under. And I don't know, I just see, for some reason, like, I looked up, and quarterback still had the ball in hand. I just, like, this hand, or I don't know, this hand, this hand, I need, I need to watch this. So I can mark it down. I just reached and hit it. So when I hit it, you see on the film, and I'm trying to pick up the ball. But I look so tired, I'm going to ball, and I just kicked it. <laughs> Because that game, we had so many strip fumbles that they kept getting the ball back. We didn't recover not one fumble yeah. the whole game. So I'm like, nobody going to get this damn ball this time. So I kicked it, and good thing Dylan Ford was right there to pick it up and steal the game. And yeah. the rest is history. So would you have rather that play been at K-State or in shutting the crowd up, you know, pin drop, or would you have rather been that at home so you could have celebrated with all your home fans? Oh, I like how it was because uh, I wouldn't be here right now for what at the home, it just would have been different. I would have got good pictures, and people would have still been cheering my name. But in the day, I was just glad we got the win. A great role win. I think that was probably our first one. That Caesar or something like that, I believe. But I'm just happy it was there. So, you know, 
I could always say, you know, Kansas State. Yeah, I'm not against where I did at your home. I left. It, was, it felt so good. It felt like a home game. It was cool. Let's fast forward a little bit. We go through this whole long draft process and we get to draft night, you know, and your phone rings and it's that team. They tell you they, you know, Team X is they're ready to pick you. They're drafting you right now. What are you going to be feeling? What is the emotions going to be going through you at that point? Man, to be honest, I don't know if I'm going to cry or I'm going to get up, scream, I'm going to yell. I'm going to just be so blessed because I'm just going to take a moment and pray to God, pray to my Lord. And, and I'm going to just thank her all the positions that she put me in and I'm just thank God for everything he has done for me and it just be like I finally made it and it's not done there yet but then I'm probably gonna kiss my girl kiss him kiss her belly because I'm I'm having a child and then she's pregnant right now probably kiss my mom you know uh, not kiss my dad on the cheek like kiss my dad on the cheek probably for you because he got a ball here <laughs> I don't know it, I've been asking myself that too well, I don't know you know I really don't cry so if I do cry I mean that just shows you how much love that I have for this sport the fact that I got picking. I, mean, I got picked. So I'm, I'm just going to be blessed to, at the end of the day. Kiazze, yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, that was defensive tackle from Texas, Keandre Coburn. Matt, what stood out to you about that interview? I love where he says, in football, you get to hurt people. I think that's what you want to play yeah. on defense to say. Uh, I agree with him. The Alabama game was phenomenal. But, yeah, I mean, what a what a fun guy, you know. And I, your guys did a great job of you know, getting some good nuggets out of him. But, you know, I mean, he started 45 games at Texas BJ. I mean, he started for four years and rarely missed a game. And, and I think that speaks to the type of competitor you're getting when you draft him. But also, you know, the, the pass rush this past year was much, much better. Um, and as he mentioned, you know, Coach Davis does a great job with those guys down there. So, uh, I, I think he's a starter in the NFL coming out of day three. How much versatility do you think he has before we move on to the next guy, which is actually kind of a fun one because he's a Kansas City kid. 
yeah. but going back to Coburn real fast, uh, put a put a bow on him. Just what uh, what kind of versatility do you think he has? Because you know that's something Spags covets. Yeah, I think he's a zero to one guy. I don't I don't think he's playing three. I don't think he has that quickness. I mean, he has good footwork. He, he really does. But I think his he's like you said, he's more of a two gap guy. Uh, definitely someone you want to plug in the middle in the run game who will then give you some pass rush, but it's not necessarily, you know, his trademark. So I don't, I don't see him sliding all the way down, you know, at like Chris Jones is done playing all over the map, but I think on, on the interior, he's someone that has a lot of value. All right, cool. Let's move on to the next player. And this is a, a Kansas city kid. His name's Ikenna in a, in a Chukwu. Uh, I may have butchered that. I know Kent at the beginning of this interview uh, that he does with them out there in Vegas, they, uh, uh, he corrects it and he gets it right. So I probably just butchered it even more. <laughs> given given the example, still can't get that right. But uh, he's a fun player to watch. His highlights on tape. He is an athletic dude. Matt, what stands out to you about him and what kind of combine uh, did you see him have? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Athletic. I think he ran a four seven. Um, he's I think he was 268 pounds in the combine, so he probably leaned out a little bit. I think the thing that I noticed on tape even was someone that could fill out more. You know, he had the room to get bigger and and maybe develop into a... I honestly thought he looked best as a five technique in terms of his length, his yeah. athleticism, his power. Um, so so that's... Also, this dude just has a nonstop motor and it like it runs hot. I mean, he plays with a ton of toughness. He's super, super physical. Um, so just a, a really impressive player that... I mean, he's a bully at times. I know you're like, oh, he's sub-270 kind of a tweener but uh, he plays with a ton of aggression and uh, that's something i always like to get from defensive linemen so like you said a kansas city guy that i think his best football still ahead of him but the combine was was really impressive for somebody his size to run and jump as well as he did all right let's go to that interview again this is with uh rice defensive lineman uh ikenna nechukwu hanging out with kck kid ikenna nechukwu from rice university Ikenna, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you. You almost had Ikenna and a Chukwu. And a Chukwu, ow! I almost had And a Chukwu, I tried, I, you know, we were, before we were doing this, I was trying to figure out how to pronounce it, but man, it's always fun to talk to KC kids at things like this, get to see some kids represent. Mm. Eric Scott Jr. is from Baser, uh, so he's playing over, you know, he's a uh, Southern Miss, so like getting to talk to you at one of these things is pretty cool too. Yeah, it's, it's awesome too. It's like, like, like the draft is uh, coming to KC this time. And like, I just feel like there's a sign, like, I have to come out this year. Like, this is like, you know, just like the perfect timing, like a sign from, sign from God that I got it as my year. Yeah. Like, so the draft's going to be happening in KC and you're going to be, I'm assuming you're going to be in KC for the draft. I would imagine. Sure. I have to. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, like how long were you, were you born in KC? Are you like an original KC kid? Um, did you move from anywhere or have you just always been a KC kid? I've always been a KC kid. So like my, yeah, my parents are from Nigeria, but they came down here. Um, and like, I was born. St. Joseph Hospital on State Line Road. Uh-huh. Yeah, then uh, just been, I grew up like uh, in the same school district at, at uh, Hickman Mill School District. And just uh, that's all I ever knew. Like, yeah, I really didn't go far from home. Like, I've always been in South Kansas City. So Ruskin High School, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about uh, your your football career. How did you get started in football? When did you get started in football? That's, that's a great story because I did not play sports at all. I was like just a, a tall, skinny, nerdy kid up until eighth grade. <laughs> then, um... I found like, you know, my social studies teacher that I really liked, I liked him, but so I found he was a stuff, going to be the eighth grade football coach. I was like, oh, this is a perfect time for me to be comfortable and learn how to play football. So I went out and tried to play football, but I didn't know that I was signed up to be part of an actual team. I thought I was just going out there to practice and learn. Yeah. 
So I finally got to actually play a game against another team. I was like, whoa, I didn't know this. I didn't know this was on my agenda. But um, and I ended up having a good year. I ended up, uh, you know, like picking up the game like uh, pretty quickly and uh, like learning how to be tough and like you know grew grew like a whole different personality from it. And you know, it's been been awesome ever since. At that point, started watching NFL films, uh, NFL Network, uh, football life documentaries, and uh, top tens, all that stuff. So, are you a Chiefs fan then? Is that for sure? Yeah. Yeah, like as as the the year I started playing football was the year that Andy Reid came in, yeah. and like like they had that nine zero uh, run up, up until uh, we lost. I think the Colts or the Chargers, um, but like it was just like always like excited to like you know was to get to, to fall in love like the Chiefs Chiefs football. Uh, Tom Holly is like like my, one of my favorite players uh, uh growing up. Like it's like that's why we're ninety one right now actually. Mm. So like, I always looked up to him him and uh, Justin Houston back then when they were wreaking havoc on that Chiefs D line. Is there anybody, you know, throughout your life, your know, families, coaches that kind of like just inspired you to pursue football and to be the best you can at it? So, yeah, first of all, yeah, my eighth grade coach, uh, Coach Todd, he was definitely like, you know, the first person to believe in me. He told me that I could go to like any school I wanted to. Like at first, like I, I wasn't even sure if I believed in myself, but like, I definitely could. Uh, I definitely showed him that I was I'm going to school at Rice, like one of the you know, top schools for athletics and academics. And like all these Ivy League offers too. And uh, like, like also, like, you know, some big time football offers. Like, so I, I probably could have gone to almost any school I wanted. Uh, okay, so let's just talk a little bit about your game here a little bit as well. Um, what are the things leading up to the draft that you're wanting to kind of focus on improving uh, in your game? Yeah, definitely trying to, like, just improve my athleticism or, like, just show off my athleticism. Because, like, it's like there's a narrative, like, I'm, like, a, like I'm not, like, the best, like, at bending the edge or, like, I'm, like, little stiff in the hips, like, when it comes to bending the edge. Like, I feel like that's just that's just false in my opinion. So I'm just trying to, you know, show off how I can, uh, like, like, like actually do that, like, here at, at this, uh, at the Shrine Bowl practice. And also I'm going to, like, you know, work on it, like, up until the combine. I've been working on some, you know, techniques to, um, to just get, get, get me right in that situation. Like, using use my eyes more, you know, your eyes fall where your body goes. When you step on the football field, what's your mentality? What are you? What is? What are you about on the football field, and how do you go about approaching the game on the game day? Oh, but man, I, I, I firstly, I've like my 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 uh pregame ritual is like finding a way to make a personal vendetta with the opposing team's offensive line, like <laughs> just convincing myself that they that they uh like flip my cereal over one day or something. <laughs> what's the What's the craziest story you've come up with to get yourself fired up like that? Oh man, um. I don't know. I guess uh, they just they, they. I don't know. I, I just all blame them for uh, me me falling down as a kid or something. Else. <laughs> <laughs> so what is what's your go to or your favorite pass rush move? Oh, oh for sure the the push pull rip. I I've been using it since high school. Um, uh, Coach Walker taught me that. My my D line coach. He actually played for the Chiefs too. Um, so I've been using that move like. Like consistently, like it's like really a unique move, like the way I use it. Because like I don't even see that many uh, uh like uh NFL defensive line like using it as consistently as I, as I do. Um, but, like it just like takes advantage of, like my my length and my strengths. Like when I when I extend, like at this point, like I have long arms, so, like they're, they're trying to refit. That's why I can pull them through and rip under. So you break the defensive huddle. Can you walk me through your your process going into your push pull here? What are you looking for as you're lining up? What are you looking for out of the offense to get into this move and how you're executing it throughout the play? Yeah, like hopefully if I'm showing them a lot of like power, a lot of bull rushes up until then, um, then I, I know that they're gonna like be trying to lean, lean, lean against me to to fight it. So anytime like I have a big leaner, like they're they basically you know they basically like put themselves in the coffin because yeah they're 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 done for at that point. So 
I'm definitely like looking for them to lean lean into me. And yeah, if, if it doesn't work, I, you know, I'm a big effort guy, big big boss guy. I'll find a way around the block eventually. All right, let's uh, let's talk real quick about draft weekend. What are those emotions going to be, especially with the draft being in Kansas City? Like, what's what's it going to feel like? It's gonna is I, I sometimes I just like play it out in my like just like when I'm driving like I, I start crying because like I I know the series is gonna come for sure man it's like it's like just even me, like being here it's like like totally unexpected you know me and that kid who just wanted to like learn football in eighth grade like and like no like just even like getting to be one football because no one at my high school was like really playing college football like that no one like people were barely getting to D two so. What's the celebratory meal? You know, you get drafted, everything calms down, everything. You're back home in Kansas City. What what's this what meal are you going to? A dinner or calling it in? What's what's the meal? Oh yeah, definitely definitely gonna get some some homemade Nigerian food. Definitely gonna, you know, my parents they have to like, you know, cook the motherland food, some jollof rice, some fufu, um, like a lot of good get a lot of good meats, lots lot of spicy food. Those gonna be great. All right, a few KC questions before we get it. Yeah, thank you. Okay. What do you miss most about KC? Okay, so I miss the barbecue and I miss the snow. I like, I just too rarely, I do I like not see snow. I'm down in Houston. It's like it's literally Christmas day and it's 80 degrees outside. Like does not feel like Christmas at all. All right. What's the best barbecue in Kansas city? I think it's Gates barbecue. I mean, I, I know it's Gates barbecue. That's <laughs> you said, I know. Yeah. What's the, what's the order? Uh, oh, what's the order? I'm getting me, I'm getting me a slab of ribs and some baked beans. Okay. <laughs> all right. I mean, <laughs> I was never mind. I was going to add something. I was like, yeah. Uh, no, that's great, man. We're rooting for you. It's always great to see uh, a, a KC kid. We're absolutely pulling for you here, and it's great to see a fellow Chiefs fan, too. Yep. You are listening to KC Sports Network, your home for the best coverage on your favorite local teams. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, KC Current, K-State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Find KCSN on your favorite podcast platform. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. All right, that was Kansas City kid, as Kent Swanson said multiple times, and Kenna Enichukwu, uh, I think I said that right, from Rice. Matt, I was looking up his stats, compared him to, I love, I love what he said about Tomba Ali. Uh, it's funny, because when he said that during the interview, I went and tried to get Tomba on the phone. I called, like, everybody that I knew that knew Tomba, because I don't have yeah. the Try to get him on the phone just to do a little FaceTime because I thought it would be cool for oh, him. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Grew up watching him. Uh, and Tom is such a good dude, but couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, but uh, what stood out to you about the interview? Again, what do you like? Let's put a bow on him as a player and, and where you think he might go. It's like an NFL.com. 
says maybe practice squad late round pickup type guy. Uh, love the the energy and the effort that you see on tape though. Yeah, I like that he addressed his weaknesses. You know, being a little bit stiff hipped. You know, that type of and talking about you know his uh, his push pull rip. That that's the stuff that I like. You know, to talk to the players about. I guess the intricacies of what they do, you know, their understanding of what it takes to, to have success. Um, I don't, I don't think he's necessarily someone that's like absolutely UDFA late round pick makes sense to me. I think the combine helped just to show that better athleticism, better burst, especially his size. This is not, and we talked about before, this is not a great defensive line draft. It's really not. So I think his versatility, it will be important. It will matter. And you know, the, Hey, the Chiefs have a history of, of keeping guys local. So uh, I think, it, he, I mean, he fits what Spags wants to do up there, especially the body type. I mean, yeah. uh, he was six, seven. Um, if I remember right, I think he came in at six, seven or ran a four, seven. So that, that definitely fits the, the mold, so to speak. Yeah. He's listed at 264 pounds. I looked it up. He's same size as Tombo. Tombo's about 276. So yeah. uh, a little bit, a little bit lighter. Yeah. yeah. I do think he'll play heavier. I don't, he'll fill out and he's too broad to not fill out. All right, let's go to the the final interview here. Uh, fun player to watch. He's in Big 12 country, so heard his name a lot uh, during the K-State games that I watched. But uh, obviously, there's another connection here. Uh, this is you know defensive lineman Dante Stills out of West Virginia. It's actually Gary Stills' uh, son. Gary Stills, all-time Chiefs leading special teams tackler. That Gary Stills. Uh, but Matt, he's a fun player to watch. He's got some juice, it seems like, uh, up front. Yeah, definitely. A little bit undersized. Uh, came in at 6'3 and a half, only 286 pounds. So, um, but that's, you know, that's fine for a, you know, a rotational three technique, a rotational pass rusher. Um, I think he has some special teams upside as well. He ran really well at the combine. He came in at 485 uh, with a, a pretty respectable 10 second split as well. So, like you said, there's some juice up front, a ton of production, you know, whether it's as a three technique or as a, you know, a two gapping. One tech, I, I think there's some ability for him to work into a, a rotation as a guy. Again, I, the Chiefs are, you're drafting last in the first round. You'll have, you're drafting last in every round. You're probably looking for players that can fill a role and have a trait-specific job. And I think he he definitely fits as that. All right, we need a, you know, kind of like Colin Saunders is, right? We need a we need somebody that can refresh things. We need somebody that can come in and, you know, give us five, six snaps as a pass rusher on the inside. That's the type of role I think he's going to fit right away. Yeah, it's interesting when I when I talk about Colin Saunders and like his athleticism, his size, the way in which he's used. I forget, and I'm looking it up right now just to make sure that I've got this right because it always surprised me. I looked at it, uh, but yeah, Colin Saunders listed at 324 pounds. So when I Crazy, see right? these undersized, you know, guys, Colin Saunders not the tallest player. I mean, he's listed at yeah six feet tall. I knew he's six feet six one, uh, but if you would ask me, I thought he was two ninety. I didn't think he was going to be three because the way he moved, the way that he, right? the way that he carries it. Yeah. So when you talk about Dante Stills and some of these other undersized defensive tackles, you were talking about uh, uh, Kalecki, the uh, guy ran the Cancy, yeah, the Cancy kid. Yeah. That he's two hundred and eighty pounds and undersized, so you immediately think, oh, he's kind of like Colin Saunders because the athleticism. Colin Saunders weighs forty pounds more uh, than that, so not a, a straight comparison there. But again, here's the interview. Uh, that we did with West Virginia defensive lineman Dante Stills. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. We're having a good time here. I just want to start, you know, your journey into football. How did you get into football? Where did that start? And how much has that meant to you going through? Um, you know, when I was younger, I started playing when I was eight years old. Um, I wasn't At first, I didn't play uh, football. I was actually a soccer player. 
So then, you know, I, 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 I show up to, you know, the field, you know, passing football. Then the guy I know, uh, Deion Dobbs, um, he um, asked my mom if we wanted to play. Um, and that's where it started. You know, that day my brother suited up and went out to practice. I started to flag football, so I didn't, you know, was, I didn't really do anything. And I, I was also a running back. Um, so, you know, going through, you know, going through, you know, all, everything, you know, I just, I'm, I, I, I had a dad that played. Um, so just watching him growing up, you know, understanding, you know, he's, he's doing big things. You know, I, I wanted to be like that. Um, so uh, 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 I have older, but like, so me and my older brother really, like, took the time to really care about football, understand it, and uh, and, and and make it our pretty much our priority, and, and and for our house, like really, cause my mom's very invested in football. She understands football. She's seen it all. She's watched big games, lose, win. So and my mom was really invested. My my grandparents very invested too. So really, you know, um, I didn't know where I wanted to go for college. Um, at first, it's crazy to say, like, I, w- I wasn't really leaning more towards West Virginia just because, you know, everybody was expecting me to go there. Um, I w- actually wanted to s- just maybe, maybe just maybe take a visit somewhere else, maybe see how it was. But, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard not to, you know, leave. If, like, want to leave, um, I, I love the state. I love the people. I love the program. Um, you know, it, it definitely you know, helped me a lot, you know. Uh, you know, so, yeah, kind of it. <laughs> Is there anybody, you know, that influenced you towards football while growing up? I mean, obviously you mentioned your dad and your brothers and stuff are playing, but, you know, everybody that had these influences on you pushing you towards that kind of yeah. uh, goal but path. Um, It's really, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I mean, my Paul, me personally, I feel like we just, like, you know, chose it ourselves. That's kind of something that we like, we, like we, we, we literally just started love doing, like love to do it and, uh, and really take it seriously. So then, but also, you know, my mom will always always make sure I was focused. You know, before practice, before games, um, always motivate me. You know, my grandparents always motivate me. Everybody motivates me. Just because, like, it's really just like, you know, to watch to say, to, to watch our dad go through eight, eight ten years. You know, I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. You know what I'm saying? But just watching on TV, just watching how big the games are, the best of the best guys. You know, and uh, and eventually, I, I want to play with the best of the best. You know, that's the whole goal. Um, so it's, it's really just like that, that, that inner mindset, the inner drive in me, um, and, and my whole family, you know, always supporting me. So, you know, I, I didn't care what I did as long as, you know, I, I did a hundred percent and I was fully locked in on it. Sure. Nice. So uh, do you have like a coach or somebody that has come along in your life that's maybe taken your game up to another level that, right. that you really feel like has influenced you at your development as a football yeah. player? Um, I do I do feel like every coach I've had has definitely influenced me in some way Um, because because there's a lot of people that, you know, I, I, I'm close with, you know, still to this day. And I can still, I can still call about one, two, text them. So that's how, like, they were coaches I was around growing up. Uh, they really cared about football. They cared about, you know, their development. Um, It's really, you know, college coaches – I feel like, you know, I because in high school and stuff, I mean, I, 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 I had great coaches. Um, but really, you know, once you make out of college, it's really breaking down, you know, every step of being a good lineman. So I, I really had to you know, take a step back. I, I, first year, you know, I was used to being, you know, highly recruited high school, then get to college, you know, I wasn't playing a lot. So I had to really learn, learn how to, you know, be, you know, deepest lineman, understanding you know, those the little things matter. Um, you know, I, you know, just, just the, you know, the, um, to drive me, you know, I want to start. I remember asking my, you know, my, my position coach, freshman year, um, Bruce Tall. He, I was, I was asking him, you know, like, is there any way I could start? And you know, he, he told me the truth. He's like, you no, know, not this year, just because, you know, just because there's, there's older guys in front of me that had a lot of experience, which he knew what they did. 
Um, you know, so I just watched them every day, trying to learn off them to help me, you know, over the next like, four years. So, because at one point, you know, I was, I, I was, you know, seeing high school, then I'm, I'm back at the bottom. So, you know, even right now, you know, literally I'm looking, so, you know, stuff like that. So I, I just keep learning. What's your mentality as a player once you step on the football field? You know, your foot first steps onto that field. What is your mentality once that game's starting? I try to be at peace. Like, it sounds crazy, but, like, because football ain't a peaceful game. Um, But, you know, as D-line, you know, I feel like, you know, like my big thing is be at peace in the trenches. Just because, you know, like, I feel like all the times that, you know, I wasn't, like, at peace or, like, I wasn't in a good mindset, I'd mess up, had bad plays, wasn't in my right gap, stuff like that. But once, I, you know, I calmed down, you know, I focus on every little step, you know, I'm done. I feel like I'm, I'm at my best. So it's really just some things. So let's go through your kind of build up in the week. Uh, as you're starting stuff off, what are you looking at on film? What sorts of things are you doing to help yourself prepare for your opponent coming up that way? Um, it's, it's really just like me, like my biggest thing is scheme-wise. You know, I like to know where the ball's going. So, you know, I might look at the back or the tight end or, you know, the splits of the other linemen. Um, then after that, you know, I look at tendencies, you know, how, how close the offense line or is it well, what hand now, if it's a hand down during pass run, if it's down during both, if it's up during both, um, stuff like that. You know, it's, it's really just like, past the year I really took you know film very to heart because you know I feel like th that was going to you know make me a better player you know let's say the past year you know I wasn't really invested in film like that um as I should I, I watched film but I wasn't as invested yeah like because there's a the, 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 the difference between watching and investing so um I definitely really I'll say the last couple of years I really started to invest you know watch the film understand cause it, and, and it, it and it makes the whole game slower like just understanding what the offense is going to run that week it makes everything a lot slower when it comes to game time. Because if you don't, if you have, if you didn't watch no film that week, good luck. Just be right. You know what I'm saying? Good luck. Is there a game that you know from your career that you just remember as you not your best game, but a game that you would direct someone to watch to go see the best version of you, or you to showcase the most skills that you have? I ain't gonna lie, like my my last game. Yeah, because you know it sounds crazy. I mean, I feel like a lot, I feel like every game I show them like my skill and my ability. Um, but this last game, you know. I just knew it was my last one, you know? and uh, I feel like I left it out all, all out there. Um, and I, I know I should probably should say the last game. No, you know, as just, I, I feel like you know, the last game was probably, you know, I worked, I, I played the hardest, um, you know, because I wanted to win. My, like, I, I wore a bowl eligible, so it's really just like go out there and just, just give, give, give it all you got. So that's exactly what I did. So you come off the field yeah, after a game. What do you want the opposing coach to be saying about you? They're oh. up on the podium. Um, it's crazy because a lot of like, pretty much every team that in the Big Twelve came up to the game and told me how good of a player I was, and you know that you know uh, that I put a lot of time in the university, and really you know I've been a problem. Which I mean, I feel like you know I always say every day I was a problem. This time was right that game, yeah. But you know I feel like this career in general, I definitely you know I I laid my mark, you know so. You know, it's definitely great. You know, I definitely want them to say, you know, I was very, I was hard to block, hard to scheme off of. Um, you know, I, I'm a good player. That's the whole goal is just, just to have re that respect, you know, really. Do you have a, what's your favorite pass rush move or your go-to pass rush move? Go-to is really like, man, I like, you know, a dip rip. I like the swipe. I like uh, the, the the board to the long arm pretty much. So, like, I, but like, I like to be like uh I like the uh, strength more than like yeah. speed. So like I rather use my strength. 
So you're breaking the defensive huddle. You're going to get lined up at the slide. What are you looking for? What's going through your mind? What are you looking for? And as the play goes on to set up whatever move you want to go with, what are you trying to do throughout the whole process? So first thing I look at is where the back. Usually where the back is at is when the office line is flowing off. So that's the first thing I go to. And then I look at like his stance. So if he if if he's top heavy, then I try to usually like summon off the line or I might, you know, push pull him or something like that in the past. Um, you know, with it'll be, you know, as long guys where guys are too too elongated in stance and they can't really kick. There's guys that have good good base and they they actually move. So it, 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 it really depends on who I'm going against and like what team I'm going against. So you beat this block and your hips, you get your hips around, you're pointing to the quarterback. What's going through your mind? You have that path to the quarterback. What's going through your mind? I don't care who you are. It 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 makes your eyes wide open. Cause like cause like one like isn't it's crazy because like when you get like when you get free everything like slows down but like you're still going the the pace of what you're actually going so it's like yo like there's it, 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 times where I black out coming out of course I'm like yo it's so open like I'm just gonna kill this dude but like you know sometimes but obviously you know it, it's definitely a good feeling a great feeling you're like okay I definitely get this sack I'm definitely get this TFL um but uh. So it, it, it definitely gets you, like, that's probably the most exciting thing about being Davis lineman. It's knowing you got a straight shot to whoever had the ball. So, all right, last question we'll do here. Good. It's draft night. You're there. You see your phone ring. You see that you're getting drafted. What's going, what's going through your head? I'm going with you, Rock Hugging. It's going to be my whole family, my grandparents, my mom, you know, my brothers, um, you know, the people that supported me. I probably have a few friends that I really consider real close teammates old teammates and i'm gonna cry cry my eyes out because it's something that every kid you know every kid that plays football wants they, they they want that call and uh you know it'd be something that all the work that you put in it'll be worth it but the work the, but the real work is beginning you know it's like now now you have a full job like it's, it's like you know what i'm saying i want to i want to say it's a job it's more just like it's really a hobby like it's like at this point like a job's not even the thing like it's a daily routine like I, i'm kind of used to waking up early and doing all this practice and stuff like that. So it, it's kind of a routine. So I'm just used to it. I love it. So uh, something that, you know, um, I'm definitely not going to take Oh, Dante, we, we greatly appreciate it. We appreciate your time. Good luck the rest of this week. Thank you. Appreciate you. Again, Dante Stills, defensive lineman out of West Virginia. Matt, in talking with Dante before that interview and then after it was done and just walking around, he is the definition of an energy giver. It does not take a long yeah. time spending any time around him uh, to know that obviously it, it it's not only that to get an opportunity to be around Coach Reed, but it's the type of thing that Coach Reed talks about all the time. He wants guys that can create energy. Colin Saunders, similar kind of personality, and that you can see a personality like Dante Stills fitting in very well with a Chris Jones, a Colin Saunders, just because the way he's wired, the way he carries himself. Uh, it was a fun player to talk to for sure. Yeah, I don't even ever heard a player talk about like blacking out. <laughs> They're so excited in a quarterback, but whatever it takes, man. No, I think, you know, in terms of scheme fit, BJ, the fact that he's played all over that Mountaineers defensive line is huge for what they have going to Kansas City. And I also think the athleticism, you know, like you said, he, you know, he's got he's got a good first step quickness to a game to his game, but he also plays with power. So as an undersized, or at least as a lean, you know, 286 pounds, a lot of that's upper body for him. Uh, I definitely think, you know, as again, it's, it's going to be late rounds for him, most likely, you know, round five and on would be where I would put his range right now. But I, I do think he can work into a rotation and be a good player.
Cool. All right, Matt, before we wrap this show up, any other thoughts just um, you know, on this draft? And I think I ask you this every year, and it might be kind of early in the process, but uh, Brett Veach generally talks about, he's consistently talked about having different pockets within the draft of, you talked about, you know, not a lot of top end defensive tackle talent in this draft yeah. outside of Jalen Carter. And we know the issues that he has. Brian Brees, you mentioned, um, a kid from Pitt, you mentioned, but where are the kind of pockets in which you can see uh, whether the guys that we talked to right here or the other dozens of players in this draft, where do you kind of see the value uh, for the defensive tackles in this class kind of going relative to the skill and the round they should go? Yeah, I think late round two, well, I would say round three. Uh, round three, I think, is where we're going to see the pockets of, of defensive tackles go. It feels this year like there's going to be a run on corners and defensive ends somewhat early and that you're going to have guys get pulled into the first round that maybe should be a second round pick. I think with defensive tackle round three, we're going to see a, a lot of guys go because there, while there's not a lot of superstar defensive tackles, there's a lot of players that are good minus one thing. You know, they might be good minus a three cone time, or they might be good minus an injury history or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. So I think round three is where you start to overlook some of that and say like, okay, this guy's just a good player. You know, this is where we feel comfortable drafting him based on the risk factors that come into play. So that's where I would kind of target this year is it, you could get a, a pretty good player in, in the third round. All right. Good stuff there from ESPN's Matt Miller. Make sure to check out the other KCSN draft show with the executive director of the East West Shrine Bowl, Eric Galco, joining the guys. They will be breaking down the linebackers. Uh, in this year's class, they will be recording that. Well, you could find that uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, on the KCSN podcast channels. And let me know in the comment section after you hit that like and subscribe button. If you like within these videos, if you like the music bed underneath, we saw it in the last two interviews, did not do that uh, for the Keandre Coburn one. So let me know in the comment section there on YouTube if you like the music underneath for those packages or if you want me to leave it out as I'm producing these things. Uh, we're here for you. <laughs> everybody that's why we do this but appreciate everybody for hanging out with us and uh checking out those interviews make sure again hit like and subscribe we've got plenty of content getting you ready for the nfl draft and free agency for the kansas city chiefs appreciate everybody for spending part of your day with us and we'll see you next time the headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.